Okay, everybody, we are here. We are ready to go. Thank you for joining us today, New Hope Radio, the Hope Club podcast as well. You're listening to 1590 on the AM dial, 92.7 FM. And don't forget the Hope Club podcast. You can catch that at, here it comes, iTunes, Spotify. I like that. That's my favorite. Uh, Stitcher, Alexa, the New Hope website at newhopecc.tv. We're there as well. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's great just to be around the Word of God. So we're so glad that you're joining us today. Well, I think we can all agree on this. Correction is not something we really welcome. Wouldn't you say? We don't like to be corrected. Do you remember how you reacted the last time that you were corrected? Our initial reaction, it's usually one of self-defense, right? We come up with ways to, oh, wait a minute now. We start to defend ourselves. But if we think about it, the correction is for our own good. And that's why we want to see today that we don't need to rebel against correction or defend against correction. We need to learn to welcome it. Correction puts us back on course. We need to be on course if we're going to reach the port that we're heading toward, if we're going to reach life's goals, right? The destination that God has for us. Now, we are in a series entitled Life Lessons from Bible People. And we began the series learning some life lessons from Adam, the first man. Like, wow, what was that like? The first man, the only man. What was that like? <laughs> we'll have to wait and ask him. And though he had many good qualities, the best lessons that we learned actually came from his mistakes. We noted that from Adam, when we fail, don't run from God, but run to him. Don't blame others but accept responsibility. Jesus' shed blood has provided for the forgiveness that we need. And God is always seeking to restore you. So those are good things to know following failure. Today we move on to a famous Sibless rivalry. Sibling rivalry, what did I say, Sibless? (laughs) We move on to a famous sibling rivalry, Cain and Abel. And we find these battling brothers in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And I want you to notice what Eve said. And I wrote this down as a scripture that supports life in the womb. Eve conceived... She gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Wow. What is she saying? God caused this to come to pass. She realizes that life is a gift of God. Oh, if more people realize that. We would do well to respect 
and protect what God has brought into being, right? If God made it, then we got to respect it. Verse 2, again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, okay? So Abel was a shepherd, Cain was a farmer. That's okay. You need them both, right? Got to eat, you got to have clothes. Two sons, two occupations. So far, so good. Nice family, good times. Things are well. But in verse 3, it came to pass in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. Now, both boys, let's get the, set the scene here. Both boys went to church. Both boys offered to God. But wait, something is different. I mean, I don't see anything different, do you? But it is. Cain brought an offering, Abel brought an offering. But God accepted Abel's offering, but notice his response to Cain. He said in verse 5, But for Cain and for his offering, God had no regard. And you know what happened? Cain became very angry, and he got ugly. Oh, he put on the ugly face. The Bible calls it, His countenance fell. What's your countenance? It's the appearance of your face. And his fell. You know, when you smile, your face goes up. When you're angry, your face goes down. His fell. It went down. And when it goes down, you get ugly. You get ugly. When people smile, they're not ugly. They're beautiful. But when they're angry, they're ugly. So what do you think's happening here? Why is it that God accepted (laughs) Abel's offering, but not Cain? And a couple of possibilities. Some say Cain's offering was not accepted because it wasn't a bloody sacrifice, one that would model the Messiah who would come. A lot of people believe that, and I'm not going to argue with them. I don't lean that way because... The Mosaic law was not yet given. So I'm not thinking that's why God rejected Cain's offering. Yet, perhaps it was a sacrifice in the God and to clothe them that was the first example. So maybe Cain should have learned from his father what God expects. I don't know. But I lean toward the next one, number two. That Cain's rejection was due, here it comes, to the condition of his heart. Because it's all about the heart, you know. It's all about the heart. Notice again in verse 5. For Cain and for his offering, God had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Here's what's going on, I think, with Cain. What was in his heart was working its way outwardly. Outward circumstances have a way of revealing our inward condition. Did you get that? 
this is of a truth. Outward circumstances have a way of revealing our inward condition. Nobody knows what's on the inside, but God can work circumstances to kind of draw it out. He has a way of doing that. He will bring about situations in our lives so we can see what is really in our hearts. How many know what I'm talking about today? You know what I'm talking about? You ever have things come out? And you say, wow, where'd that come from? How did I say that? You ever say, somebody cut you off and you said a bad word? You say, wow, where'd that come from? It came from your heart. It's in your heart. God wants you to see it. Cain had a problem. You know what his problem was? He couldn't take correction. He always had to be right. Know anybody like that? They always have to be right. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? God wasn't angry. Cain was. God wasn't like, oh man, you brought me the wrong offering. Go stand in the corner. Time out for you. No, God wasn't. He was all right with it. Cain got angry. One writer said, this was designed as a gracious warning and a preventive of the meditated crime. Adam Clark said that. I like him. In other words, God is warning Cain, listen, don't be angry because if you harbor anger, you're going to take it to the next level and you're going to do something really bad. See, when we're angry and we do things, usually the things we do are not that good. There's only one thing I have found that a woman does well when she's really angry. And you know what that is? Clean the house. (laughs) I know there are times, right? I would get under my wife's skin. I'd get her upset. I'd get her angry. And she'd take it out on the house. That house would be spotless. (laughs) I'm like, wow. House is shining. She'd be cleaning and (laughs) polishing and, you know, making everything nice and clean. I'm like, I should probably do this more. No, I better not. (laughs) But other than that, nothing good comes out of being angry. So God asked them, why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? You'll look handsome. And if you don't do well, well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. But you must master it. See, if you don't do well and you get angry, the next step is super failure. It's like a lion waiting to pounce on you when you walk by. It's waiting for you. Oh, yeah, sin is waiting, and it works in your mind. If you do well, you'll be good looking. People who are humble are always better looking. You know that? I mean, there are people in the world that have attractive physical features, But there are people of God that are much more beautiful because of their hearts. They can smile. They can laugh. They're lighthearted. They're humble. Humility is good. Oh, it's good to be in a place of humility. So the Lord said, if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. You got to master it. Man, you got to take control. The fallen countenance opens the door to let sin in. And you know, I think Peter picked up on this when he wrote in 1 Peter 5, be of sober spirit, be on the alert, because your adversary, the devil, oh, that dirty devil, you know what he does? 
He prowls around. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know what the word devour means? Drink down. Drink down completely. You know, it's like you're really thirsty on a hot day and you get this glass of lemonade and you just like drink it down and there's nothing left. That's what the devil wants to do with people. Drink them down so there's nothing left. That's why we're going to be on our God. Be sober. Be alert. Wake up. Get your head out of the clouds. Stop living in la-la land. Know where you're going. When your countenance is falling, be forewarned. Sin is waiting to pounce on you. But see, Cain wouldn't let God in. Cain would have none of it. Even from God. I'm like, Cain, come on. Are you crazy? This is God talking to you. I don't care. His failure to accept correction, it led to a greater sin. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field. What did Cain tell Abel his brother? He probably said, hey, Abel, you got some really nice crops growing out there. Just show me how you do that. No, I mean, I got, I got some really nice crops showing out there, growing out there. Let me, let me show you how I do it. So meet me in the garden. Meet me out there and I want to show you some things. Abel's like, yeah, okay. I like to learn some of that stuff. So they're out there in the field. And you know what Cain did? He said, oh, Abel, look at that. Look at what? And Cain rose up against Abel, Abel, his brother, and killed him. He killed him. How'd he kill him? Some say with a rock. If you watch the movies, he hit him with a rock. If you look at the picture Bible, he hit him with a rock. But Abel's sacrifice, Abel's death came with his own knife. He was killed with a knife. He was stabbed. Because that's what the Hebrew word killed means. Probably with his own knife. Well, guess what? The Lord found out. A big surprise, right? The Lord found out and he punished Cain by making him a nomad in the earth. And Cain went from a settled-down life as a farmer to a wandering nomad. Man, he really blew it, big time. Everything changed, all because he couldn't take correction. And though his life was short-lived, we don't know how old he was, Abel was entered into God's hall of the faithful ones. You know, we don't understand why God takes people home when he does. It's a mystery. Every single time he does, it seems like it's a mystery. We don't know why. Why does he take the young? Why does he take the productive? Why does he take the healthy? Why does he take the innocent? I don't know. There's just some things we don't know. And the things that we don't know, faith has to kick in. Because that's all we have to go on. All we have to go on is faith. And that's okay. So what life lessons can we learn from these brothers? We're going to take a look at some lessons from Cain and then from Abel. Let's take a look at Cain. Some of his accomplishments. He was a hard-working farmer. He went to church. He brought God an offering. But he had some weaknesses. 
He couldn't handle correction. His heart was not right, and it was revealed by his anger. And his inward anger, oh, here it comes, led to outward sin. Inward anger led to outward sin. And the result, he was never content the rest of his life. He was never content again. See, anger may not be sin, but it can lead to sin. This is the life lesson. Anger may not be sin, but it can lead to sin. Another life lesson, what we offer to God must be from a pure heart. Doesn't God love a cheerful giver? He only accepts what we give based on the condition of our heart. If your heart is right, God will accept what you give him. I believe that if Cain's heart was right, he would have accepted his offering. Fruits, vegetables, flowers, whatever he brought him. But his heart wasn't right, and God used the situation to get him to see it, but he refused to see it. And we learned from Cain, consequences can last a lifetime. They really can. You know, you can make a mistake, and it lasts you the rest of your life. Some consequences are short-lived. Some, they're with you until the day you die. Well, what about Abel? Let's take a look at Abel. Abel's accomplishments. He was a faithful shepherd. He was the first martyr for the faith. When we read the Bible, we find that he was the first man to die for his faith in God. He entered into God's hall of faithful ones. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 1 that faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. That's why faith is so important. For by it, men of old gained approval. Abel is in that group. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. Okay, I'll take that. There's no evolution. By faith, I believe God made everything. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Guys, boom, bara. He made something from nothing. Only God can do that. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, here it comes. Hebrews 11.4 Though he is dead, he still speaks. Abel is still speaking today. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? Can you hear him speak? Be faithful. Honor God. What are the life lessons that we get from Abel? I got a few here. That God rewards the faithful. God commended Abel and he took him to heaven. That is a reward, you know. The privilege of entering heaven. That's a reward. We also see that faithful, faithfulness does not mean a long life. Being faithful doesn't mean I'm going to live 100 years, 90 years, 80 years. Could be 20. Could be 15. Could be 25. 
We also learn that God acknowledges the innocent and he punishes the wicked. He does. There are just balances in the hand of God. So what's the lesson for us? You know, when we read these Old Testament stories, there has to be personal application because that's the fruit of reading them, personal application. And here it is, that we are all in need of correction at times, right? I mean, come on, who doesn't need to be corrected? It might, you might be learning an instrument. You might be doing something at work. You might be at home and doing it the wrong way, whatever it is. There are times that we all need to be corrected, and guess what? That's okay. You're not a failure because you need to be corrected. You're not a dummy because you need to be corrected. Correction is your friend. Get that down. Correction is your friend. Correction says, no, don't go that way, go this way. Correction says, do it, do this, don't do that. Every ship's captain has to make course corrections to get the ship to the port because there are tides and there are winds and there are currents that move the ship off course and he has to make a course correction. That doesn't mean he's a bad captain and it doesn't mean it's a bad ship. It means that there are things that work against us to get us off track and a correction is simply getting back on track. And when God corrects us, I like this part because I said it, (laughs) he corrects us out of love. See, correction is an act of love. If you don't love someone, you let them walk off the cliff. But when you love them, you say, no, not that way. This way. That's the bad way. This is the good way. Out of love. And God corrects us out of love. And you find yourself being corrected by God. It's because he loves you. Don't take yourself so seriously that you can't be corrected. You know, none of us are all that. We have to learn to laugh at ourselves. We have to learn to say, oh, okay, yeah, I had that wrong. Oh, yeah, I was playing the wrong note. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, I was digging the hole in the wrong place. Sorry about that. Okay, we'll fix it. Oh, yeah, I had the, the, the oven on too high cooking that meal. Okay, thank you for telling me. I'll fix it. No, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't be so serious. You can't be, someone can't love you by correcting you. Because what happens if you take yourself too seriously, it will only turn to anger. And you know what anger does? You know it. It leads to greater sin. Nothing good comes out of anger, except maybe a clean house. Like I said, (laughs) that's about it. Nothing good comes out of anger. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, not some of it, not most of it, all scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable, notice, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So think about it. What is the Bible profitable for? Teaching. What does it teach us? Who God is. For reproof. What is reproof? Tells us where we're wrong. For correction. How to get right. 
See, God doesn't say you're wrong and leave us there. He gives us, he gives us correction. And correction means to set it right. Set the course right. It's a nautical term. Course correction. And it's profitable for training in righteousness. And what is that? It's the Christian way of life. So we need all these things. You want to arrive at the port that God has in mind for you? Then we need training, reproof, correction, and teaching. And like Abel, God has something better for you. The Bible tells us that. God has something better. Just work on the ability to be humbly corrected. And things will take care of themselves. Now, next time we're together, we're going to take a look at some life lessons from Noah. Ooh, what can we learn from Noah? Oh, you're going you're gonna to say, maybe sometimes you felt like Noah. And we're going to take a look at that next time. So, hey, thank you. If you're not in the Hope Club, join the Hope Club. Help us out. Help us stay on the radio. $3 a week, maybe like every Friday, right? Boom, just send off 3 bucks before you spend all your money. Cup of coffee costs you $3, right? Big candy bar costs you $3. So you, you go to nhcc.tv, it's our website. Click on support or donate, one of those buttons. Go to radio, click in, I'm going to give $3. Put in your email, and we're going to send you a devotional every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's an audio file. And we're starting something new next week. We have the Tuesday Challenge. Oh, what's that? Oh, well. The Tuesday Challenge challenges you to what you heard on Monday. So you hear Monday's devotional, and then Tuesday you're challenged to live in it. See, it's all about growing. That's what we want to do. We want to grow. We want to grow in the Lord. And these are things that are designed to help us all to grow. So thanks for coming along today. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Get a friend to listen to. Spread the good news. I think these things can be helpful to people of all walks of life, Christian, non-Christian alike. Okay? Now listen, make sure you get to church this week. Get to a good Bible-believing church. Learn the Word of God. It's so important. There's all kinds of churches because there's all kinds of people. And I'm sure there's one that fits you, just right for you. So you get up early and get out there and find a church where you can grow and have some good spiritual support. And I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.